to the Sports Den. I am your host, Sam DG. On this episode, we're going to be breaking down some of the more underrated players in the NBA. Uh, we're going to break down the Kareem Hunt situation and what it means for the Chiefs moving forward. And then we're going to get into something a bit different. I'm going to break down for you two different football leagues that are coming up in the next two years as an alternative uh, to the NFL. Let's get it. Let's get into it. Um, we're going to start off with the underrated players of the NBA. <clears throat> As the NBA season is kind of coming in uh, to a whole, we're about a quarter of the way through, and players we now need to recognize have stepped up. Um, I'm going to go through five of them right now. Um, the one player that I feel like it's not really an honorable mention, but it's too obvious to say, and that's Mike Conley. Mike Conley, at this point, is kind of well-known for being underrated, so obviously people should be talking more about Mike Conley. He's been a very consistent player, playing at a very, very high level for his whole career, but he was kind of obvious. I wanted to highlight some other players that I feel like deserve some recognition uh, right now. The first player is Nikola Vucevic, uh, center for the Magic. That's probably the reason why he's kind of underrated. It's the Magic. No one really cares about them, but this year he has really, really stepped it up. Uh, putting up numbers of 21 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, while shooting 55% from the field and 41 from 3. That's really impressive. Um, this is his, I think his 8th year in the NBA. He's 28 years old, um, and he is a career high in points. This is um second highest season in um, rebounds and his highest in assists. Um, this is his best year um, statistically as a player. Um, the Magic aren't looking too bad right now. Th- they kind of did the same thing last year where they looked really good and they kind of fell back into the lottery. Um, but still, Nikola Vucevic has become a uh, legitimate uh, one of the top centers in the NBA, and I think the Magic would be smart to look to deal him at the trade deadline um, because he's actually on a pretty good contract um, for his numbers. Uh, he's on the last year of his deal, and he's – Um, making about $13 million, and I feel like uh, someone that can stretch the floor that well and get rebounds at that level would be pretty valuable. Um, And he's 28. The Magic are in sort of a rebuild, so he doesn't really fit their um, their age group that they're looking for or that they should look for. So I think the Magic could get uh, potentially a a late first-round pick out of him. Uh, I think they would be smart to try to get him just so they don't lose him for nothing in the offseason. Uh, the second player is Tobias Harris. Uh, very surprisingly, last month won the Western Conference Player of the Month. His stats don't really pop out of you that much, although they are good. Uh, but the reason is because his impact. He's led the Clippers to um, the top seed in the West. Uh, his stats for the season are 21 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists on 51% from the field, and 42% from 3. So those are some pretty solid numbers. Tobias has always been kind of up and coming the last couple of years, he's been moving around a little bit, been traded a couple of times. Surprisingly, he's you know always shown some promise. Um, but last year especially, he 
came onto the scene as a very dangerous three-point shooter, uh, finally shooting 40% in his career. Uh, and I think he's going to be a very important piece for the Clippers moving forward. They're always going to be in um, conversation for um, signing uh, a marquee free agent because they are L.A. I think Tobias is going to be a nice <coughs> complimentary piece for them. The third player I want to highlight is Pascal Siakam. This year, a lot of people are really, really high on the Raptors, and they should be. They've been playing unbelievable this um, you know, beginning of the season, and a lot of people are going to point to Kawhi Leonard uh, coming back to his you know, MVP caliber form that he was before his quote-unquote injury, Kyle Lowry playing at an extremely high level. But I think people also should look at Pascal Siakam because he's coming one of the best role players in the game, and he's a real reason for Toronto's success. So, again, not insane stats, but they are pretty solid. 15 points per game, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, shooting 63% from the field, which is top 5 in the league, and 33% from 3. He's going to be a very important piece for them moving forward. He's only 24 years old. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's very versatile. He's very quick um, for a power forward. Uh, and a lot of people, again, are kind of overlooking his impact simply because of Kawhi and Kyle Lowry. And while those guys deserve the recognition because they've been playing insane, Pascal legitimately is their third best player. Um, he's been very solid on the defensive end, and he's improved his offensive game a lot. Um, and I think that people should probably start to realize that it's not just the addition of Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors that's making them so good. It's the emergence of Pascal Siakam. The next player is Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, I feel like, is kind of like Mike Conley, another famous for being sort of underrated. But he is becoming a forgotten star, you know, as he's not really the player he once was because he's had several injuries, but he is still killing it this year for the Pistons. He's averaging 25 points, 9 rebounds, and 5 assists on 46% from the field and 36% from three. Don't let that um, 46% from the field scare you too much. I do get that he is a power forward. That's kind of low for a power forward. Um, but still, Blake Griffin, uh, his game isn't exactly... Um, relying on banging down low, although he definitely can. It's relying on a lot of post moves uh, and shooting as well. And I think um, the Pistons should be vying for a playoff spot this year. Uh, and Blake Griffin, right now, you could say is their best player. You could say he's, play, uh, he's better than Andre Drummond right now. And I think Dwayne Casey is to thank for that. He's one of the greatest coaches in the game, and he has sort of brought Blake Griffin back to um, all-star caliber status. And the last player is a rookie, one of the more underrated rookies that I, you know, admittedly did not think would be that amazing, but he has been playing very solid, especially um, recently, Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Grizzlies. Um, so for the whole season, he has been averaging 14 points, five rebounds, and two blocks on 52% from the field and 35% from three. He started uh, almost every game for Memphis, and he's only 19 years old. And the Grizzlies right now are in an interesting spot where they should be looking to tank and go into a rebuild, but they really can't because they have um, Marcus Saul and Conley. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be a huge piece for them moving forward. His last, like, 10-game stretch, he's been absolutely uh, killing it. And it really, he's only going to get better. He's got a very nice jump shot. He's very solid on defense. And I think if he played in a bigger market, he would probably have more recognition. But, of course, he plays in one of the smaller markets in the NBA. No one really cares. So 
just keep an eye out for Jaron Jackson Jr. He, I think, is likely to be a first-team all-rookie this year. Now we're going to get into the NFL. This is uh, a week-old story, but because we film on Thursday, we don't have time to react to stuff that happens on Friday and Saturday. So this is, um, or even late Thursday after we record, um, the Kareem Hunt debacle. So the it has been uh, come out now. The NFL didn't formally seek records of this incident until the video was released. Classic NFL, always being responsible. Gotta love that man, Roger Goodell. Always does a great, great job with these sort of things. Very disciplinary. Um, and even greater is that the Chiefs didn't look into it at all. They just didn't do it. Um, the Chiefs, they cut him right after making, um, right after they found out, right after the video came out. And they made the right move, but for the wrong reason. Kareem Hunt lied to them about what happened, and that's why they cut him. You know, because lying to the team is worse than assaulting a woman. But that's the reason why they cut him, is because they lied to him. Um, also, interestingly enough, Adam Schefter reported that the January before, so this happened last February, in January there was an incident at a nightclub where Kareem Hunt helped beat up a man he was involved with, former NFL running back George Atkinson. Um, and he um, also beat up a guy. So interesting that, you know, the, the NFL, how the NFL works is someone like this is eventually going to get a job. It's just unfortunate, but that's um, kind of how it works. He probably will be signed in the summer. Uh, he's going to have to face some sort of suspension coming into the season. But after that, you know, some team that doesn't really care that much about morals is going to pick him up. Um, to, um, to be fair to Kareem Hunt, he does seem to be um, – bit sorry about this um in an interview with espn's lisa salters he said to be exact um it don't really matter what happened i was in the wrong i could have took responsibility and made the right decision to find a way to de-escalate the situation um so the girl that he was um shoving in the video um was there uh, hanging out with his friend and apparently she was egging him on um calling him the n-word um so it's not like Kareem Hunt just went absolutely crazy on some random woman. This girl um, was acting pretty poorly. But still, Kareem Hunt knows. He is aware that he made the wrong decision. Um, and now he's not on the Chiefs anymore. So what does this mean for them? Um, I think it gives the Chargers a better chance of winning the division. They do have to win one more game than the Chiefs because the Chiefs have uh, the tiebreaker between them. So this just makes it more likely the Chargers are only a game back. Um, so it's not impossible. Um, and I think this also makes the Chargers more dangerous in the playoffs. I think uh, now the Chargers, they are better on both sides of the ball. And the fact that the Chiefs don't really have that um, dynamic um, on the run, in their run game anymore is huge. The Chargers still do have that with Melvin Gordon um, alongside uh, Phillip Rivers, who's been playing very well. Their defense is really strong, and now um, I think it's safe to say they are more likely um, to make it farther in the playoffs than the Chiefs. I think if they meet in the playoffs, um, that the Chargers um, could end up uh, beating them. Uh, really quickly, the wild card race is pretty interesting um, for both conferences, and I'm going to give my uh, prediction right now. You can set this in stone of who is going to be the wild card for each conference. So in the AFC, I think it'll clearly be the Chargers. They're one of the best teams in the whole league right now. And I think it'll be the Colts. Um, 
I think their offense is a bit revamped. They have a solid offensive line, and they have Andrew Luck back healthy. Now, their defense is solid as well, so I think the Colts um, are going to end up with the uh, sixth seed. And in the NFC, I think it'll be the Seahawks and Eagles um, simply because of their quarterbacks. Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz are two of the best in the whole league, and I think um, they'll be able to sort of lift their team up and carry them to – um, at least um, a playoff berth. Maybe not much further than that, but I think they're both capable of doing that. So Seahawks, fifth seed, Eagles, sixth seed. So those are my predictions for the wild card. Now we're going to get something uh, very, very different, something that I've kind of discovered recently, something that hasn't been really talked about that much, and that is the two new football leagues that are coming into existence, one uh, right after the Super Bowl and one in 2020. That is the AAF and the XFL. So we're going to start off with uh, the more well-known of the two. Uh, the XFL, uh, they were in the news recently because yesterday they named the eight cities that is going to host teams for them. Uh, and the cities are New York City, Dallas, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, Tampa Bay, Seattle, St. Louis, and Houston. So obviously pretty uh, good amount of teams right there, good cities. Uh, they got some big markets. Uh, I think they could have done a better job by including San Diego or Oakland teams that either have already lost a team or are going to lose a team. They did a good job getting St. Louis there. That was smart. I think it also could have been smart for them to get uh, into maybe Cincinnati or Arizona where the teams really aren't good, maybe get the fans interested um, in a new team. Um, but they still went with the cities they went with. Not a terrible selection, uh, but I think they could have done a better job. Hopefully, if they expand, they'll be not just looking for big markets, but markets where uh, football is kind of needed. So the XFL, uh, they are priding itself on reimagining the game of football, um, and they're going to be different uh, from the NFL by cutting out some unnecessary things that they feel are kind of ruining the game. Um, players with a criminal record will not be allowed to play, and political statements um, will not allowed to be made. Um, Vince McMahon, the um, the founder of the old XFL and the one who's going to be building up this new XFL, has said that it doesn't belong in sport. We all come um, to football games. We all watch football games to actually watch football, um, and he believes that political statements don't really have uh, a place in that. It doesn't matter where you uh, what you believe in, where you stand on the political spectrum, it doesn't belong in football. Uh, so that's how the XFL is going to be different from the NFL, but it's also going to be different from the old XFL. The old XFL had sort of the attitude of the WWE. It was very in your face. It was very aggressive, uh, and the actual football was more violent and also not nearly as good. Um, so that's where uh, McMahon wants. He wants to make changes. He wants to sort of separate from the old XFL and create uh, a new professional, like, real football league where it's so actually about football and um, not about, like, the insanity. So it returns in 2020. There are eight teams, 10 games with 40-man rosters. Four teams will uh, make the playoffs. Uh, McManus said he's going to consult with football experts to design a safer game. Um, I think the, the stigma of the old league might hurt just a little bit if people do remember that old crappy league from the early 2000s. Um, I mean, at this point in the 
uh, process of creating the league, any publicity is good publicity. So even if people do remember, uh, if they have a bad taste in their mouth from the old XFL, they still should tune in. Um, you know, if they remembered how much, how bad it was, and they still uh, tune in to see, like, oh, how stupid is this still? You know, you're getting um, the view from them. So at this point, any publicity is good publicity, and hopefully uh, McMahon can shed the image that the, um, the old XFL had of WWE on a football field to um, an actual football league. And it, it really all depends on the players they can get. They can get some um, big-name players that maybe have played elsewhere, maybe up in Canada. Uh, if they can get some guys to come, instead of going to uh, college, come play to the XFL, similar to what the JBA did then it could be a pretty uh, interesting league. Um, so I'm pretty excited to see uh, how that turns out. This is something that's very interesting, something that I found out about about a week ago that I haven't seen anyone talking about ever, and it is the Alliance of American Football. It is a football league that is launching right after the Super Bowl. It kicks off on February 9th, which is a Saturday after Super Bowl Sunday, which I think is a very, very smart time to do it. Um, it's created by Charlie Ebersole and Hall of Famer Bill Polian, um, somewhat similar to the XFL. There are eight teams, um, but there are 50 men on the rosters, and they have not only the cities, uh, but the names picked out. So here are the eight teams in the AAF, the Arizona Hotshots, the Atlanta Legends, the Birmingham Iron, the Memphis Express, the Orlando Apollos, the Salt Lake Stallions, the San Antonio Commanders, and the San Diego Fleet. Pretty interesting uh, group of cities with some very interesting names. Um, the main rule difference is there are going to be no kickers in this league. All extra points are going to be two-point conversions. Um, the ball is going to be placed on the 25-yard line um, after a score, after a quarter, um, or after halftime, um, and instead of an onside kick, uh, the team that wants to keep the ball will have a fourth and ten from their own 35, and if they get it, they keep the ball. So I think that's pretty um, interesting, and uh, I think what makes this league um, pretty credible is the p people that are involved in it. Uh, so obviously Hall of Famer Bill Polian is going to be overseeing the league but there are plenty of other guys that have been very successful uh, in the NFL that are coming over to this league that I think makes it pretty interesting. So they had um, uh, about two weeks ago, they had their quarterback draft, um, which was the last sort of selection process for each team. They already had their other um, positions filled out, and Kurt Warner was the lead analyst for their draft. Uh, but they also have plenty of NFL players um, as executives, Troy Palamalu is the head of player relations, and Heinz Ward is the head of football development. And they have Justin Tuck and Jared Allen on the player engagement board of advisors. So that right there is pretty impressive to me. These guys have all been very, very successful in football. These are guys that uh, I'm sure you um, remember. And to have them as executives, to have them um, very, very devoted to this league, I think is a very, very good sign. Uh, and it goes farther than that. It goes to the actual um, coaches of these leagues. Steve Spurrier, uh, the old ball coach, they call him, is going to be the Orlando Apollos head coach. 
Mike Singletary, the old linebacker uh, for the Bears and coach of the 49ers, is going to be the Memphis Express as head coach. Um, the Atlanta Legends will be coached by uh, Brad Childress. Uh, Brad was the Eagles offensive coordinator with Andy Reid from 2002 to 2005 when they went to the Super Bowl. And he also, right after that, coached the Vikings, and he led them to back-to-back division titles. And his offensive coordinator is Mike Vick. Uh, the Birmingham Irons head coach is Tim Lewis. Uh, he was a cornerback from Pitt, drafted 11th overall by the Packers. Uh, his career was cut short by neck injury, but he later went on to be the defensive coordinator for the Steelers and Giants for a couple years. Uh, Dennis Erickson is going to be the Salt Lake Stallions head coach. Uh, he coached several colleges, most notably Miami from 89 to 94, where they won two national titles. And he also was briefly the coach of the Seahawks and the 49ers. Um, the San Diego Fleet's head coach is Mike Martz, uh, who was the Rams' offensive coordinator in 1999 when they won the Super Bowl and was their head coach 2000 to 2005, um, where, again, they made the Super Bowl in 2001. Um, there are also plenty of GMs with NFL experience, whether it be as a player, as a coach, or as an executive. Um, they all have been involved in the NFL um, and here are some of the more notable players that are going to be in the league. Um, looking through the rosters, obviously a lot of people I didn't really know, but these are guys that um, when I saw their name, I sort of recognized them. These guys all played in the NFL for at least a couple years. Uh, Josh Johnson, Aaron Murray, Christian Hackenberg, Zach Mettenberger, Trent Richardson, Matt Elam, Brad Wing, and Matt Asiata. Again, those are the guys that I recognized uh, the most when scrolling through the rosters. If they can get more guys that people even faintly remember, I think this league will be pretty interesting. Um, but ultimately, the fact that, I mean, maybe I'm just looking in the wrong places, but no one, especially not on the major networks, we're talking about this, not online, not on any shows, seems to be nowhere. Um, and I'm willing to bet that you didn't know about this league until I just kind of told you. I feel like I'm doing a little bit of reporting, but it's not really reporting because this league is ready to go just a couple months, but I feel like a merger is going to be kind of imminent um, for uh, these two different leagues. The XFL has the brand. People were sort of amped up um, because they remember the old XFL, and now that you know McMahon is trying to make it a legitimate football league, um, it should have some more credibility, and the AAF has actually good infrastructure uh, with full rosters and an earlier um, start date. So I feel like a merger is sort of impending, and this way um, you would have 16 teams as opposed to just eight per league. Uh, the AAF's infrastructure is very strong. Again, a lot of um, credible, successful people that were successful in the NFL. Uh, the XFL, that has sort of yet to be seen. They don't have their um, players even drafted yet, uh, but it should be pretty uh, interesting. And I think, you know, I feel like the NFL isn't going to fail anytime soon, but with, you know, all the uh, bad things that are happening, all the um, bad headlines that are coming out about the NFL, some people might look for an alternative. Alternative, And I know, at least speaking personally, I'm excited to not have football end in February. I know uh, NF football is ending in February, but that next weekend, the AAF is launching. And so I'm pretty interested for that. Um, I can't really wait to see uh, what these two leagues um, end up doing. And that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. I'll see you next time.